0: Welcome to Episode 2 of Point of View with Barry Boyce, Editor-in-Chief of Mindful Magazine. I'm Heather Herlock, Senior Editor, Digital at Mindful.org, and today we're talking about happiness. It's a tricky word, happiness. Even though our Declaration of Independence guarantees us the right to pursue happiness, the word can still seem a bit trivial as a guiding principle. Barry why is happiness a tricky word?
1: I think one of the most important things is to, for one thing, to unpack that word and to look at all its different dimensions. It's a It's such a tricky word because it's so fuzzy and multi-dimensional in its meaning. The moment you say, uh, I want to be happy, or even better, if somebody asks you, are you happy, if I ask you right now, are you happy, well, you have to start thinking about it, and you wonder, "Geez, am I happy, what, and automatically you're anxious, so <laughs> there's a little bit of a trick or a, or a trap in there, if you think about it, if I ask you, are you happy? What kind of thinking are you going to start to apply? You're going to look at the past and the future. Hmm, what have I got coming up um, to look forward to? Um, Well, there's that vacation we're going to do this summer, so I'm happy about that. But oh boy, I'm really dreading, you know, this new job and whether we're going to be able to pay the mortgage and geez, you know, have I had a good life? I think I've had a good life. So now where are you? You're all caught up in your head and you're trying to weigh and evaluate things from the outside in. So that's already a problem with the, conventional term happy, and it's to the extent that happiness is a word that refers to a passing mood as compared to sadness, say, then that happiness is not uh, something to um, pursue uh, as a life pursuit. Because it just sets you up for failure. What's most interesting to me, I think, is where mindfulness fits into this whole picture. And I think the beauty of mindfulness is in the practice of meditation, you get a break from the pursuit of anything. You can just be there. And when the question of am I happy comes up, you can let it be there. You can just let it drop away and be present with yourself. And what tends to happen over time is that a sense of well-being creeps in on you. And in spite of yourself, this sense of well-being overtakes you. And it has to do with less struggle and fighting. And it's more from the inside out than the outside in.
0: You say in spite of yourself, well-being overtakes you. Can you elaborate? Yeah, I think the in spite of yourself part is
1: um, in spite of that nagging voice in your head. You know, it's a restlessness that's there. And you know, it's interesting. The happiness researchers, particularly these days, Dacher Keltner at the Greater Good Science Center and many others like to talk about awe, letting yourself be hit by the simplicity and directness of your experience. Awe can overtake any of us at any moment and for most of us there's some little thing at least once a day that does something. Could be the, the look on your child's face or or something funny that occurs. It's Meditation is more about increasing the frequency
0: that touches on the idea that mindfulness is an innate human experience and something we can cultivate to help us be more present, more aware, and sort of able to observe our surroundings. Uh, It opens us up to all.
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's part of your human functioning. You know, if you slow down the pursuit a bit, then there's some basic quality that you have. But, you know, you're going to be more powerful in whatever you do if you do it from that kind of basis.
0: That reminds me of the Barbara Graham piece we did about the science of happiness. She mentions cultivating gratitude as a path to happiness. And when you hear cultivating gratitude, it can sound sort of insubstantial. But when you look at the science of it, the scientists are actually saying that when you feel gratitude, you flood your brain with these certain positive, beneficial neurochemicals. And on the other side of that, if you're feeling resentment or regret, you flood your brain with a whole different set of chemicals. So the question becomes, which one would you rather be flooding your brain with on a regular basis?
1: Well, what kind of pathways are you... Forging, what kind of trails are you blazing? You know, in brain terms, they say, as it fires, so it wires. Meaning, you know, if you continually fire synapses around chocolate cake, you begin to create a habit of seeking and obtaining chocolate cake. Building pathways that have to do with gratitude It's interesting, you know, that more open approach allows you to savor the world. And that's another phenomenon that the happiness people talk about, along with awe and gratitude. There's also a quality of savoring.
0: And when we're talking about being thankful for what you have and savoring, we're, again, not talking about just things you can acquire, or accomplishments you can stack up. but It's more than that. It is more
1: than that. And, you know, the issue with things is not so much the things, it's the getting and the keeping. So, for example, one of the best thankfulness and savoring practices is window shopping. It's absolutely possible to stand there and admire something And be taken by it and to not have to necessarily buy it you know and also you can it's it's like if um, you appreciating someone else's clothing it doesn't have to be um, about having that clothing Um, you can just appreciate the color and the texture
0: I like this. And it's interesting because you hear a lot about contentment in terms of what happiness is. Um, when I think about what the opposite of contentment is, it's envy. You know, So appreciation and gratitude can play into sort of balancing out that contentment-envy dichotomy. Yeah, very much so. I think the
1: contentment is... A quality that is also cultivated by meditation that you know when you uh, let go of of a bit of the struggle a part of that quality that comes over you it could be described as being content that things are okay as they are um, whatever they are and you know it's also why there are happiness researchers is not only to look at personal happiness, but also as a societal norm. Uh, that's why I think this notion of gross national happiness that comes out of Bhutan is an interesting notion. It's, you know, We have the notion of gross national product. So if the GNP goes up because we built um, prisons, or because the more teenagers were smoking tobacco, um, Is that a gross national good thing? Um, but we think of it as such. Uh, gross national happiness, probably ought to be gross national well-being or something like that, but looks at the overall communal well-being of the world we share, it speaks to um, values that go beyond simply getting and fighting over um, our differing views of what happiness
0: means. So it sort of takes it out of the superficial realm of acquiring wealth or things and moves happiness into a space of wellness and you know mental wellness, physical wellness, well-being.
1: Yeah, true. And you know, it also makes me think, it makes us think about how our wellness and well-being is a communal thing. You know, we're interconnected. So to the extent that there's there's well being in their community in your community. There's more well being for you.
0: I wonder if you could talk about how people can practice cultivating happiness and well being. Sort of what your opinion is of the best way to do that.
1: I think in general it's good for people to have something in their life that allows them to um, take a space where. Some of their inherent mindfulness and caring can shine through, and that could be gardening or swimming or walking or you know it could be all variety of things. There's no question that that a little bit of meditation practice helps in my view, um, and a lot of meditation practice can help too. But it's just important to recognize that mindfulness and awareness, kindness and caring are qualities that come over us in spite of ourselves and they pre-exist. They're not created by any kind of practice. I wanted to add one thing. Part of our lives involves facing very difficult Challenges that can go on for a long time. And if you just try to fly under the banner of happiness, people who are going through great struggles say, for example, they've been in a terrible car accident and their whole life has been turned upside down and they're suffering from chronic pain and You know, maybe they have an unsupportive spouse who has now left them. You know, you you can think of all sorts of scenarios um, in others' lives and one's own life where we go through very, very challenging periods. And, you know, a kind of happiness ethic is alienating. When you're going through that. So what are we really looking to? And I love the notion of equanimity and and resilience. That's part of our innate strength and part of our innate mindfulness and awareness. Equanimity meaning winter, spring, summer, fall, we have the same kind of quality. And resilience is that we can be pushed very far to the limits of our capabilities. But somewhere in there we have some bounce back. And that's part of our well-being. And it doesn't sound like something like happiness. Happiness sounds trivial when you're talking about Somebody having deep resilience and recovering from having been in a war, for example. But clearly, that's something great about being human, that we have that kind of depth of strength and well-being.
0: I am continually trying to figure out how to introduce mindfulness to a personal relative who struggles with PTSD, and he's sort of hung up on the notion of weakness and it being a sign of weakness to even entertain some of these ideas that we've been talking about. But when you talk about resilience and strength, that feels like um, an entryway that might resonate. Yes,
1: in fact, that's very poignant because what what we're really talking about here Indefinable, indescribable qualities. And so the name you give it for one person isn't going to work very well for another one. So if you're talking about somebody in the midst of PTSD, talking about being happy isn't probably going to go very far. Because why would you trust that? But Finding strength um, may be, you know, and you know, it's not one size fits all.